Hi, and welcome to episode 14 of Ask the Pastor. This is a segment of the West Hills podcast where you have the opportunity to ask and receive biblical answers on your questions from our lead pastor, Will Duvall. I'm your host, Thad Yessa, and I'm really excited to dive into this week's question. This week's question comes to us from an anonymous listener, where she asks, Pastor Will, I prefer to stay anonymous and detailing the circumstances of my situation might reveal my identity, but the essence of my question is this. What does a Christian do when life gets really hard? This is uh, such a heavy, important question, and so I just want to start by thanking you, uh, listener, Westillian, my sister in Christ. Thank you for asking this question, and I also want to remind um, you and all of us before we even dive in that though I might not know what's going on in your life right now, and maybe I do, you've come and talked to me personally, but uh, you just don't want everyone else here listening to know that regardless, it doesn't matter. Um, I want to remind you that God knows that He sees your hurt, whatever that is right now. God sees your pain and He cares. Um, Jesus promises us in Matthew 10, 29 and 30, that not one sparrow falls to the ground apart from your Father. So even the hairs on your head are all numbered. And if God cares enough to count the hairs on our head, if He cares enough to take note of Every time a silly bird falls out of a tree, we can rest assured that God sees whatever difficult trial, hardship, um, trouble that I'm facing today. And so I, I will get personal with our listeners for just a, a moment. I selected this question to respond to this week um, because it was so personal for me this past week. Um, as I updated our church on uh, this past Sunday, Polly and I had one of really the toughest weeks of our lives probably this past week. Um, I was supposed to be in well, I'm supposed to be, as we speak right now, on a plane Wednesday afternoon, uh, flying back from Utah, having picked up uh, a new a new baby boy we were going to be adopting into our family. Uh, but clearly, God had other plans, and um, and I don't want to hijack the question here and, and make it all about me. But the reality is, we all go through these kinds of difficult situations in, in life, weeks, sometimes seasons, years of our lives where this question becomes very personal to us. Um, and it's a different question than, what was it, I think our third episode of Ask the Pastor, um, where I responded to Amelia's question, why does God allow bad things to happen to us? That's more of a kind of philosophical, abstract question, but uh, this one's more personal. This now, now we're asking the question, God, what am I supposed to do with this when life is this hard, when life is too hard for me right now? I feel like I can't, I can't do it, I can't go on. And by the way, um, if you've ever heard that platitude get thrown around uh, before in the church that God won't give you more than you can handle, um, that's that's a load of you know what. I mean, that, that nothing could be more unbiblical and untrue when it comes to our suffering. First Corinthians ten thirteen says we won't be tempted beyond our ability to escape it without sinning, but that's very difficult than suffering. Um, when it comes to our suffering, God actually promises to give us more than we can handle. John 16, 33, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. And, and remember, he's talking here in context to his disciples about the fact that they're about to be persecuted and ultimately uh, murdered uh, as martyrs in the same way that Jesus was, these gruesome deaths. Um, he's, he's basically saying, you know, this is more than you can handle. But how does he conclude that verse, John 16, 33? But take heart. I have overcome the world. And that is what God promises us in our suffering. He, he promises the redemption 
of our suffering, that we don't suffer in vain. That as Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. That John 16, 20, you will weep and lament, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. That 2 Corinthians 4, 17, this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Why? Because we have hope in the promise of Revelation 21.4 that there's coming a day when God will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. We have the hope of a new heaven and a new earth when everything will, will finally make sense and God will make things new and right. And that's what God promises. And, and paradoxically, God promises us all of this precisely because of his promise to give us more than we can handle. We see this most powerfully probably in the example of the Apostle Paul, particularly in 2 Corinthians, um, that whole whole book. But uh, think of chapter 1 in particular, um, verses 8 and 9, where, where Paul describes the affliction that he experienced in Asia. He says, For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength, beyond our strength, that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. And how does Paul make sense of his persecution, his suffering? Does Paul say in chapter 11, wow, you know, five floggings to the edge of, of death's doorstep, three beatings with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, on and on and on. All this suffering, man, God must really think I'm the stuff. God, I must have a hall of fame kind of faith for God to think that I can handle all that. No, that's not Paul's conclusion. Paul says, on the contrary, but... That was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. 2 Corinthians 1, 9 and 10. So Paul says, God specifically sent me so much hardship to force me to my knees so I'd have to rely on his strength and not my own. And so with all of that set up front, how does a Christian respond when life gets really hard? I'll give you, and, and we could elaborate on each of these points, but here's just a Cliff's Notes overview, six steps, if you will, for navigating suffering in life, and I'll try and ground each of these in Scripture. But step number one for navigating suffering is express your hurt. Listen, there is nothing uh, Christian about faking it, about, about forcing a smile uh, about pretending like everything's all right when it's not. You deprive others of the opportunity to support and pray for you, to be the body of Christ. You're in effect saying to God, God, I don't need you either. I got this one on my own. Faking is faking is really just another form of lying to, to others and to yourself. Um, God wants us to express our pain. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to pull your hair out and wear sackcloth and ashes. It doesn't mean that everyone is going to be a, a helpful, safe person to include in your grief. Uh, depending on your hurt and and wh- whatever road to recovery is ahead of you, I I personally I recommend someone trained um, at helping you walk through uh, hurt. Whether that means coming in talking to me or Thad, one of the pastors here, or or Christian counseling. Obviously, we're blessed to partner with Taylor and his practice at Generations Counseling here at West Hills. But you need to get the help that you need, and you need to. Sometimes that means getting the ear that you need, the person who will sit and let you vent and express your hurt, whether that's sadness or, or madness. I mean, that was Polly and I this past week. She was sad. I was mad. And thank God, you know, that we worship a God who can handle our real, raw emotions. Listen, this is biblical. 
It's biblical to get mad at injustice in the world. Read the prophets. Read Jesus at the temple with the money changers. It's biblical to get sad about the suffering in your life. Read half the book of Psalms. Read Lamentations. Read Jesus again. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is biblical. It's a Jesus prayer. Um, And God is omniscient and he knows how you really feel anyway, so you might as well just let it out and be honest with him. It's, It's therapeutic. It'll be good for you. Emotional constipation has all sorts of nasty side effects. Um, Step number two would be to surround yourself with Christian community. Kind of touched on this in point one, but, you know, non-Christian friends can be good too. They have their place. But, you know, if part of what makes us distinct and unique as a people is our belief that there is actually a God who is making all things new, who is bringing beauty out of of these ashes, who sees our suffering and, and not only cares, but who sent his son to enter into our suffering for our sake, to rescue us from the ultimate enemy, from sin and death then at the end of the day, those are the kinds of people who I share those convictions with that I want to surround myself with when I go through these kinds of tough times. Now, that doesn't mean that, that Christians are always the best at, at, at helping, at just being present and being with us and, and, and supporting in the ways that are helpful and we need. Um, Christians, unfortunately, often say stupid, hurtful things. <laughs> no, no matter how true they might be, some of them are true, but you know, when, when my adoption falls through, I don't need you to tell me that I guess there's just a better kid out there for you. When, when Polly and I struggle with infertility for three years leading up to, to that point, I don't need to hear at least you were able to have one child already. You know, these are not helpful things to say to people who are hurting. You don't try and put a positive spin on someone else's suffering, at least not the day after. I mean, you, you listen to them. You, you read their body language. You know, maybe, maybe in time there's a place for some of that. But, um, you know, this, that, I mean, again, look at, look at Scripture. That's what God goes off on, on Job's friends for doing, for trying to fix Job's problems for him, for giving him bad theological advice. God must be judging you for some sin in your life. Uh, maybe today's equivalent is, you know, God won't give you more than you handle. You, you can handle, so God must think you've got tons of faith. That's just not biblical, It's and, and, and it's unhelpful uh, to boot. And so, you know, maybe just try this instead. Man, this sucks. I am mad with you. I'm sad with you, but I'm here to listen. If you're ready and it's helpful to talk, you know, those are the kinds of people that you want to find and let them comfort you in, in times of hardship. I mean, I'll give a, a shout out to Luke Zuccarillo here. Luke dropped by this past week unannounced on Sunday night and just said, man, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just here to give you a hug and to tell you I love you. And then uh, Luke just listened to the unedited version of how I'm feeling about all of this adoption stuff for about 45 minutes. Find the Luke Zuccarillos in your life and let them draw in closer to you in your time of hurt. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, Two are better than one, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Uh, step point number three would be, remember God's sovereignty and goodness. You know, when, when, um, when, when you're ready in time, uh, again, maybe it's not the day of or the day after, I, but I, I have been encouraged for me personally this go-round. This is uh, sanctification at work. There's no specific timeline for how much time you spend in each of these steps of the kind of recovery grieving process. 
It depends on the nature of the hurt. There's no formula, but I, I've been encouraged personally, even this this past week, to look back and realize, man, you know, earlier in my life when my dad left me, um, it took three or four years to get past it. And then when I got let go of this job that I really loved at Culver, it took me three or four months to get over it. And, and you know, this go around with with this current uh, hurt, with the adoption failing, um, it's taken three or four days to really turn the corner. And so God, I, I think God has a way of growing us over the years. But eventually, you want to get to a place where step three, uh, you can you can be reminded of both God's sovereignty and His goodness. That as Psalm uh, 115 3 tells us, our, our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. And yet we can trust that Romans 8, 28, God works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And it's really those, those twin promises, those twin pillars, doctrinal pillars of God's sovereignty and His goodness, that God is in control, that He hasn't fallen asleep at the wheel while I'm suffering. And yet I can still trust at the same time that He's good, that He's for me, He's not against me. Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him, that we can take refuge in God in times of trouble because he knows um, what he's doing and he's using it for some greater good in my life. That's what faith is. And that's only, I mean, that's what makes us different as Christians uh, when we go through hardship. The question isn't if we're going to go through it, it's when. Matthew 5.45, God makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. Uh, we're all going to face both sun and rain in this life, the just and the unjust. The question is, how are we going to respond? Do we shrug it off in hopelessness because everything's just a random coincidence? Life is meaningless anyways. Oh, well, that's life. Are we, do we rage against God um, and still believe in him, but we just deny that he must have some reason for this suffering because I can't see it at this moment? Or am I going to trust? Am I going to believe without seeing? Hebrews 11.1. 1, that God is still good. That's what faith is. Um, and uh, so I had a, you know, a friend remind me of this on, not on day one or two uh, of this adoption fallout, but maybe day five or six, friend reminded me of that great John Newton quote, the famous hymnist who said, everything is necessary that God sends our way. Nothing can be necessary that he withholds. That's a beautiful truth. Everything is necessary that God sends our way. Nothing can be necessary that he withholds. Um, step number four, in addition to God's sovereignty and goodness, would be remember God's sufficiency and his faithfulness in the past. I think this is why our elderly uh, you know, senior saints are often the best sufferers because they have the most life experience to look back on and remember God's faithfulness in the past. I had uh, two or three congregants in their 70s or 80s just this past week, um, earlier this week, that I called to check on and pray with because they're, they've got major surgery coming up to remove cancer, to fix heart blockages, and their reactions always amaze me. It just it kind of rolls off their back. Like, well, I mean, God's got me this far, so I'm confident He's going to get me through this as well. And you know what? If He doesn't, then I guess I'll just get to go home and be with Him, and that's better anyway. And you know, that's that's the kind of perspective, eternal perspective that I want to have. And it's not just because they're 80 years old. Um, it's not just because they've lived this full life. That's not what necessarily makes them ready for heaven because the Apostle Paul said, I mean, he's in, in his 30s probably, and when he's writing Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Um, 
you know, that's the kind of eternal perspective we want to have. But I do think there's a great benefit to being able to draw on personal experience and look back in order to move forward, to look back and remember, yes, God has given me more than I can handle in my own strength, uh, three, five, ten 20 times in the past, but I can personally testify that at every other one of those junctures in my life, those trials, those hardships, God's strength really did prove sufficient. Uh, He proved himself to be able, to be faithful. So I have no reason to doubt that he's going to do it again this time. That's why the Bible uses the word remember like hundreds and hundreds of times as a commandment, because remembering isn't just about the past. It's about faith building for the future. Uh, number five would be to, to remember the gospel. Whenever I feel myself start to slip into that mindset of why me and the questions of God, how could you, that, that way of thinking, I want to stop and, and once again put things in perspective, in eternal perspective, and uh, remember that no matter what this world, this life could throw at me, and even yes, because of his sovereignty, what God throws at me um, I I cannot forget that my ultimate need, my deepest need, my eternal spiritual need has already been met by Jesus on the cross and in the empty tomb that God purchased for me in Christ. My my eternal reconciliation, restored relationship with the Father. And that means that by absolutely no merit or credit of my own, I now get to spend eternity in heaven with Him. And that doesn't always make infertility and failed adoptions and divorce and cancer and death of our loved ones. It doesn't make that awful stuff of life on this earth easy, but it does help keep it in perspective. Uh, That as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Our hope is ultimately seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Our hope is secure. It's unchanging. It's unmovable because it's in Christ. And uh, finally, number six, after all of that, I want to dive right back in, and I want to immerse myself in Scripture. I want to give myself over to spending even more time with the Lord in prayer, to praying without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. I might feel like it the least when I'm hurting. That's when in my flesh I want to run from God the most, but that's absolutely when I need Him the most. It's like going to the doctor or going to the dentist. You feel like doing it the least when you need it the most because you know there's going to be some healing that's needed that that probably is going to be painful, but it needs to happen. and um, It can be painful to work through and process our suffering. And that's why so many people try and avoid it and they repress it and they suppress it. But the painful reality is you can only sweep that stuff under the rug for so long before the mess just gets dirtier and in the end it gets bottled up and it finds these other unhealthier ways of spilling out. And so the healthier thing to do is we take it to the foot of the cross. We leave it in the hands of the good physician who desires to heal us, to restore us. Um, The one who promises in Psalm 147.3 to heal the brokenhearted and bind up our wounds. The one who, Psalm 34.18, is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. We recognize that it's our stupid, sinful flesh that makes us want to run from the very one who we need the most in this moment. And we pray for the strength to simply surrender and fall into his arms to cast all our cares and anxieties on him because he cares for us and let him be the God of all comfort that we know he wants to be for us in this present pain. 
And so that's that's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for you, listener to this podcast, and whatever um, current hurt or heartache you might find yourself in right now, or inevitably again in the future. That that's my prayer for you, and uh, we would love to to be here for you as pastors and as a a, a faithful community at West Hills um, to carry help carry those burdens. Thanks for those words of wisdom, Pastor Will. Um, definitely a, a weightier topic, but really important for, for all of us for when we do go through uh, suffering. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastor. Remember that you can ask your questions each week at the info bar at West Hills or by submitting them online through our website at westhillsstl.org. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you haven't yet, uh, be sure to give us a a five-star rating. Thanks for listening.